0: The Web's Michael Smith. It is episode 108 of the Canes cast, and you know what? What's that? It's time for us to head west.
1: It is time to head west. A west we go. Yes. Did I say a west?
0: Yes, a west we go. (laughs) You could say westward ho. That would work. Oh. Yes. Figured that'd be in your wheelhouse.
1: Westward bound.
0: That's true. We're going to have some fun. In that warm California sun. Although Go west. I don't think it's going to be very warm.
1: Go west, young Canes. It's going to be okay. Yeah. 70s? Yeah. Low 80s. Perfect. High 50s at night. Sunny? Mm, cloudy. Speaking of. Yes. Today's guest on Canes Cast is Vice President of Communications and Team Services, Mike Sunheim. Oh, cannot wait. He's going to give you... Uh, we'd like to peel back the curtain every now and then here on Kane's cast and give you sort of a look behind the scenes of uh, all the logistics that really go yeah. into making this thing hum behind the scenes. And he's one of the guys that he's the guy behind the guy yeah. that makes things uh, hum both on the media side and on making sure the team gets from point A to point B, which hopefully happens today. Yeah. And seeing this is the first true
0: long road trip of the year for the Carolina hurricanes that, we figured it would be nice to bring in one of the people who helps orchestrate it behind the scenes so you get to know a little bit what goes on. And of course, he's been around the organization for 20 years.
1: Long time. So, one of the longest tenured members yep. of the organization at he's this got, point.
0: Got a lot to talk about. So, that'll be coming up. But, Michael, before we uh, move in and, and talk to Mike Sundheim, we got a lot to talk about from the weekend that was for the Carolina Hurricanes, a dominant performance over the New York Islanders. And then. Uh, a little stub of the toe. The team was not going to go 82-0. and 0. Sorry, everyone. Oh, man. I know. The dream was alive. Hey, 81-1 and 1 is still there That's, for the taking. I'm here for it. But I think that it was a valuable lesson for the Carolina Hurricanes and, and Rod Brindamore who, I mean, how many times did he say in the postgame, Michael, we got what we deserved? Yeah. I mean, twice, I lost I seriously. I, I I know it was more. I think it was more than twice. I yeah. think he said it like three times. And that just goes to show you that in this league, there are no layups. There's no gimmies. And you have to play your game every night. There's no letting off of the gas pedal. And that's why I think it was a little bit, I'll use the word disturbing. That might not be right, but disturbing for the coaching staff that the Canes kind of fell into the game that Columbus wanted to play.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that Columbus team... Does certainly does not have the names on it that it did in April uh, when they basically accumulated all the unrestricted free agents that then left the team. It's it's not got a lot of names on it, but they play the John Tortorella style game. Oh, yeah. And that's what Columbus came in here and did. And the Hurricanes, I don't think they knew what was coming, but they weren't mentally prepared to play their game. Uh, in order to beat Columbus, and uh, for whatever reason, whether that's you know the second half of back to back, whether that's just a lot of games in the first week of the season, because the Hurricanes did play uh, six games and in, in just about ten days. Um, but at the end of the day, you like you said, eighty two and zero was was probably not going to happen. Um, it's unfortunate that you lose to that team because I think that team is is pretty beatable, um, but. Give credit to Columbus. They came in and played a very good road game. And once they got that lead in early in the third period, they were content to just sit on it yeah. and, you know, sort of forced the Canes to to try to make a play uh, to score a goal. And the Hurricanes were unable to do it. And Columbus left with the win.
0: Yeah. And when Columbus got that goal early uh, on a turnover at the Columbus blue line. Yeah. And you know, Pierre Luc Dubois goes in and puts it over James Reimer. You're sitting there going, okay, this is now going to become grind fest 19 because Columbus is just going to park the bus and say, try to get the puck past us, try to get past us, and then try to get something on Jonas Corposalo. Now, that being said, it's going to sound very, yay, here are the Canes pom-poms. The Canes didn't play all that well, and they had a chance to win a hockey game.
1: Yeah. And that... I think that illustrates a couple of things. It illustrates just how talented this Hurricanes group yes. is, and it also illustrates just how perhaps not talented the, the Blue Jackets are. Um, I They're going to win some games this season, obviously, the Blue Jackets, because John Tortorella's style is proven. It's it's obviously capable yeah. of winning. Uh, but that's a game that when you look back on it now, this is the first week of the season. The Hurricanes earned – you know, 10 of a possible 12 points out of the first six games. But that's a game you look back and you're like, ah, you know, the Hurricanes probably should have gotten two points out of that. It's at home. It's against a beatable opponent. And that's just how much the standards have increased. That's yes. how much the expectations have increased. Because even after five straight wins to begin the season, you still look at that game and you're like, hmm, the Hurricanes probably should have won. So that sort of illustrates a number of things. But the bar now is is at a point where – you know, Rod Brendamore said before, when he came in as coach, the bar was you—you you could have tripped over it because it was on the floor, and now it's—it's it's much higher. And that—that that sort of illustrates the—the uh, the culture change that he's helped bring about in his first year. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to be argumentative for the sake of that. I, I don't think it has much to do with Columbus because that's going to be what Columbus is all year. Yeah, it's—it's it's, to me, it was if the Canes did what we had seen in the five games previous, they were going to beat Columbus. Right but they didn't, and credit Columbus because they're playing the exact same game every night, but they have to because if they don't, they're going to get blown out of the water because they don't have the goal scorers. They can't go man for man, shot for shot with every team anymore. They're going to be a team that if this was the 1990s, they might be better suited for it because they would be clutch and grab and keep everything in the middle of the ice and just counterpunch, and this is where the Canes, because of how they're built, Michael, look how fast they are. Yeah. Look how much they get on pucks. Look how aggressive they are on the forecheck. And defensively, they're allowing guys to move out of the play. They're allowing players like Dougie Hamilton, Brett Pashy Jacob Slavin to jump up in the play and have a forward come back and cover them. If you're not in the right spot, somebody's going to take advantage of that for you. But it's the Canes how they push. But if they're not all into it, if they are not pushing the chips in the middle, you're going to have because it's just the NHL. Yeah. You're going to have games where teams that – Don't, on a piece of paper, have as much talent as you. They're going to hang around the game. Right. Yeah. It's a talented league. I've never seen the league this close
1: between the best team in the league and the worst team in the league. And you look at the night before, and the Hurricanes did completely overwhelm the Islanders with their speed and skill. And the Islanders just could not – they couldn't muster much. No, But then the next night, the Hurricanes just didn't quite have that level that they had in the first five games of the season. Somebody who did have that level, I thought, was James Reimer. And he's been excellent in his first three starts of the year. He's got a 930-some save percentage. He's been excellent. Uh, I thought it was a smart decision by the coaching staff to go to him in Florida, give him a a start against his former team. And, you know, we asked him about that, and we've asked Rod Brennamore about that. If there's anything to, you know, starting against your former team, are there any – does anybody have the upper hand and – you know, I don't. I don't know if they do or not. What uh, James sorta was like? Yeah, the game moves fast. You know, too fast to really think about who's shooting and yeah. and what he might do. I think if there is an advantage
0: in that situation of facing your former goalie or your former goalie facing you, mm-hmm. the advantage goes to the shooters because you kind of know where to put the puck on him. Right. But that goalie knows that's where they're going to be picking. So it's. I think it's a a minuscule thing. I do think that players get up for it. Yes. You know, Ryan DeZingle got up for playing Columbus, even though it was a brief stint with the Blue Jackets. But uh, he'd be the first to tell you that didn't go exactly the way that he thought it was going to be when he got traded there from Ottawa. Uh, two things, by the way, on on James Reimer and what you were setting up. First, excellent use of muster. Nobody uses that term enough anymore. Mm. So excellent. Tip of the cap thank to you. you. You're welcome. And two, thank you. The question, thank you, was put out there for all of us at the start of the year, how are the Hurricanes going to manage the goaltending situation? Right. And last year, it was basically a 50-50 split between Peter Morazic and Curtis McElhaney. Especially down the stretch, too.
1: And that's really, I guess, where the split took place because early in the season you had the injuries and Scott Darling was in the mix. Yep. But yeah, especially down the stretch, it was basically 50-50.
0: Yeah, and then Peter kind of pushed himself in front of the pack to be the guy for the postseason and how hot he was in in March and in April now putting those on the the table James Reimer is giving this coaching staff the exact same confidence in going to him as Curtis McElhaney did last year yeah I mean I I think in a perfect world the split would be something like 50-32 Peter Mrazek as your one and James Reimer but I mean this could be a uh, a 55 45 kind of split, and that's a percentage, not the games, because I know that's 90 and you only play 82. But, yep. you know, go to that. It could be something like a 46 you 36 know, split. It could be something along those lines where James Reimer, if he continues to play like this, and he's been a number one before, right. he's given you an option that you can turn to and, and you can rely on him. But of course, we're six games into the season
1: at the recording of oh, this yes. of this Canes cast. We're overreacting to everything. At this well, point.
0: that's what everybody does.
1: <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah, you take a small sample size and you say the Hurricanes are going to go eighty two and zero. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, it was accurate until yeah. Saturday. James Reimer should play every game from here on out. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Peter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like that's what <laughs> that's what overreaction. Dougie yeah. Hamilton's going to score ninety goals.
1: He actually might. Eric Hallam might. Yeah, he might too. So both of them might. There you go. Sorry, Sebastian Ajo. No longer the team's leading scorer. That's all right. Oh, we've got a question about that coming up, too. Oh, great.
0: Uh, Fans have gone from uh, asking us questions to giving us the Will Ferrell. If we like it, we can take it. Perfect. So that'll be a little bit later.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that. All
0: right. That's good. We don't need to get to it now, but you know what we do need to get to? Let's find out what exactly goes into putting everything together on the road for a hockey team, for a pro sports team. The ins and outs of being a media relations director and a team services director, vice president of those two things. Mike Sundheim joins us. Well, we finally got him on the podcast. It took a while, but the vice president of communications and team services, Mike Sundheim, thank you for joining us here on Kane's Cast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mikes. (laughs) Well, that's right. It's a troika of Mikes here. Yeah, that's true. Uh, And by the way, we will dispel the rumor that you have to be named Mike to work for the Carolina Hurricanes. It's a plus. There's a lot of
2: us. Right. Are you sure?
0: Well, it moves you to the top of the list. (laughs) I changed my name for this job. (laughs) Well, so did I. But okay. I changed it from Smith to Maniscalco because Smith was already taken. Yeah. Salvatore, exactly. <laughs> well, now that's out there. Uh, Mike, we got a lot of questions for you and uh, and your job. Uh, a lot of people are going to be like, "Well, what does the vice president of communications and team services do uh, behind the scenes?" Mike's job—he's responsible for lining up player interviews for me and Michael Smith making sure that the team gets to their destinations on time, how they get there, what hotels they're waiting for. That's the team services part. So if we had to ask you the most challenging part of your job, uh, dealing with everything on a day-to-day basis, what is the biggest
2: challenge that you deal with? John Forslund. Well wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I <laughs> He's going to listen to this. Oh of yeah, course. yeah, that's <laughs> it. And He's I, a regular listener of the Keynes cast. Yes, yeah. he
0: is. And uh, don't forget, there'll be a text message coming in three, yeah. two, and one. Yeah. with
2: that. But no, and, no and, uh, John's I mean, the greatest. I love John. He knows that.
0: Everybody knows that. And uh, I just wanted to get into the that day to day grind. Like people think that the only time anybody works for a hockey team is during the season, but that's not the case. It is a year round position for you.
2: For sure, and and you know the summer is really, especially on the team services side, where where so much of the planning happens. You know that's where where I'm sitting down with Roddy and, and kind of going over the schedule and figuring out which days we're going to practice, which days we aren't, when we're flying to a city, when we're flying back out of a city, and and you know dealing with the the, the planning end of that, and from the hotels to the to the plane schedule to the uh, buses and uh, practice days, working with the other teams to get ice, so. Um, all that kind of happens in the summer and is pretty set up by the time we get to the season start.
1: And then how f- you you set a schedule in the summer, of course, but how flexible do you have to be in season to adjust based on a, a number an infinite number of factors, honestly?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's all there's always things changing. Guys are getting hurt, you're adding guys to flight manifests. Um, team will have a have a have a tough, tough road game. That doesn't go well. The coach is mad. And wants to practice the next day when we had a scheduled day off. So you're you're reaching out to the team, trying to find ice. Um, th- there's always things that are changing. You know, the weather happens. Sometimes you'll have a, a flight get canceled, and you'll be dealing with a hotel to try to get it get rooms for for 50 people that night. So you know, obviously, there's a lot of uh, change can, that can happen. But and you know, the way everything's set up in the summer makes it easier to make those adjustments as they come.
1: Team services. You're that's a rather. New facet of your job. You got your start obviously in in the communications part of it. Take us through kind of your history of. Obviously, you went to the University of North Carolina. Wow, Bill only,
0: only, only took you three minutes to get that one out oh, of the way, we, Michael. We Schmitt. had
1: to get you to are slacking. We had to get to yeah. it early. That's the um, other requirement of working for the Carolina Hurricanes, right? At least yeah. in the
2: communications side. <laughs> oh, well, I guess I don't know I've got to go get a graduate in. degree right
0: now.
1: <laughs> Sorry, um, Nikki. <laughs> but how? Uh, you go to school there, and then and how do you work your way into hockey and, and now becoming really one of the longest tenured members of this organization?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think when I, when I went to school at UNC, you know, I went for, for journalism, and I thought, you know, I wanted to be a, a sports writer. And uh, as it turned out, I got an internship after my sophomore year with an arena football team, uh, more on the PR side, and I, I found that I liked it. And so I reached out to the Hurricanes, uh, Chris Brown, And Jerry Peters were the PR guys back then and uh, landed an internship here two years as an intern and then started full time right after I graduated my senior year at Carolina. So it's kind of evolved since then. Obviously, I've had some some things added to the title, but um, I'm still here cranking away.
0: So you wanted to be one of us. In college, you wanted to be a, a journalist. I a could reporter. never be
2: one of you, Mike. Well,
0: <laughs> two of you is not even one of me. Uh, that, by the way, isn't a measure of the there man. There he smart.
2: is, the Big
0: Rig. Thank you, the Michael. It's that's more of a that's more of a stature thing than a uh, yeah. character, personality thing. But uh, because of the background that you wanted to get into, and you, you know what goes into journalism, how much has that helped you when dealing with the other side for media requests? And on the other side, how much does it help you or I don't want to say hinder you when dealing with the players, when a request comes in where you're thinking, Oh, is this one? Can we go here? Like you, you're the gatekeeper for, for interviews for the most part. So how much has that background helped you through the years saying, okay, we can do this or we can't do this.
2: Yeah. Well, generally we try to keep the gates open uh, in case Tom's listening. We're always saying yes. (laughs) Um, But um, you know, I think, I think it helped me, you know, I I think writing is an underrated uh, part of my job. As well, I think you know anybody trying to get into communications on any level, uh, you know, being able to write well is, is an important skill, uh, even in a days of, of only needing to write 280 characters. It's still uh, still important to be able to put put words together in a, in a way that, that people can understand and follow. And um, you know, as far as you know, you know how it's helped me working with players. You know, honestly, having the team services aspect added to my job. Uh, was a was kind of a nice help uh, in dealing with players. When you're on the PR side, you're you're always asking them to do things. They're all you're always needing. You know, it's always a, it's kind of a one-way street. Uh, on, on the team services side, they're always coming to me for things. You know, if they want tickets to Post Malone for their wives, or they want to go to a football game, um, you know, they're coming to me uh, for help with things. So now it's more of a give and take rather than me just taking and taking.
0: Well, one of the players and coaches you've dealt with for your tenure is Rod Brindamore. You knew him as a player, then you knew him as the captain, and then you knew Rod Brindamore as an assistant coach, and then you knew him as the head coach. Has he changed at all during this time? And uh, by the way, during the middle of this question, our uh, our producer of the show, Hannah Taylor, just comes in. Hi, Hannah. And, and she's uh, got
1: a lovely Rams Club bag. It's clear, so she's allowed to
2: bring it into the building. Yeah, So clear fitting bag policy. R- fitting right in, in there. Right
0: there. So uh, you'll learn quickly about uh, the office you and I share. Just make the door go quickly. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> we uh, really
1: need some WD-40.
0: So if this is a court of a law, let me rephrase the question. Uh, you've known Rod Brindamore for a long time. How has the phases of from player to captain to assistant to head coach, has he has he changed at all? Have you seen, a, like, how he's been different, or he's the same guy all the way through?
2: Well, I, I, you know, just in the nature of his role, you know, he, he obviously has to be much more vocal now than, than he was when he was, you know, a player or even just an alternate captain or even as a captain. You know, he has to, he has to talk to the media every day. He didn't love talking to the media as a player, but... I don't know if he loves it still now, but, but he does it. He he tolerates it, and he, he has does to it. Talk he does. to
0: me and Michael Smith every day. It, I mean, it always amazed me
2: that he you know he he didn't love doing it, but when he did it, he was so great at it. Yeah. Like he gave really thoughtful answers that you actually learned something from his answers, as opposed to a lot of the yeah you know, we're just trying to get bucks deep kind of answers. So, um, you know, you know, Roddy is an incredible person. You know, he's the best leader I've ever known. You know, as a player. And then now as a coach, you know, he just, he, he relates to people, you know, he, he tries to learn about you and he, he knows what makes guys tick. Um, he, he's been, he's been there for pretty much everyone. And he, he understands the role, you know, for, for people like me and for the equipment managers, you know, he understands that we all have a role and, and everyone's important and tries to make everybody feel like you're a part of something. And, you know, I think a lot of that comes from. Peter Laviolette, who was who was amazing in that in that manner too, just you know made everybody feel like we were a part of it, and and if we were going to win, we were going to win together, and and that's kind of the way it is again now.
1: He gives really good answers as a coach too. Oh, I mean, yeah. I know Skalco like he's he's honest uh, sometimes brutally, and it, it's nice, it's refreshing to hear that sort of honesty and uh, forthcomingness from yeah, head coach. We'll give that word yeah, we'll, yeah, sure.
0: Well, for somebody who's covered. I can't even count how many head coaches I've covered. To have a guy give you an honest answer, you just love it, and and that's the thing that Rod Brendamore Moore does. Now, I'm going to ask you, as the PR guy, when he's giving those honest answers, are you ever like, "Oh, I wish that wouldn't have been said"?
2: No, I kind of love it. I think honestly, I think it's one of the things the players really like about him too. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's no sugarcoating. Like, if 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 we have a bad game or someone plays poorly like he's he's gonna let everyone know it and it's not not in a, not in a harsh way it's in an understanding way yeah. because they know that you know there was probably a game in his career when when he didn't do it quite right and and there was a coach talking to him so I think that there's a, an appreciation you know when you when you ask the guys what they like about him one of the things they really like about him is his honesty so I think that that's uh you know that's a, that's a positive
1: the highlight of his playing career was obviously winning the Stanley Cup bringing that to Raleigh, and. <laughs> As a captain. Me. In the 5 season, and you were along for the ride with that. Your name's on the Stanley Cup. What was that season like? What was that whole experience like from start to finish?
2: Well, I mean, it, you look back, and obviously, you know, that year nobody thought we were going to do anything. So, I mean, we were we were picked 28th, 29th, 30th in most of the publications going into the year. We had a ton of new players. We'd, we'd kind of taken advantage of the the changes with the addition of the salary cap to, to add some guys that were, you know, other teams dropped basically. Yeah. Like we got Corey Stillman, you know, kind of cheap. We got Ray Whitney, kind of cheap. And these guys came in and and were kind of the you know part of the leadership group of that team. And it, you know, it was a, it was a much older team. Like right now we have a have a have a really young team. Like we that was an older team. Um, you know, we had some young guys. Eric Stahl was in his second year. Cam Ward was in his first year. But um, generally, that was a veteran-laden team. A lot of guys that hadn't won before. And I think that's one of the things that made it really special as it went on. Is you know. Guys like Brett Hedigan, Glenn Wesley, and, you know, when we had a Doug Waite, you know, guys that had been in the league for a long time, obviously Rod Brindamore himself um, had had some shots at it and hadn't ever kind of reached the peak of the mountain. So seeing those guys get to the peak and and being a part of that was obviously extremely special. And, you know, it's uh, something I'll always treasure.
0: Can you enjoy a playoff run in the role that you have, or is it you're always constantly – to the next city, the next game, the next interview, when in the role that you have.
2: Yeah, I mean, as as you know, you know, it's there is a lot of thinking ahead. Like we, when we were finishing the series last year against Washington, going up to Game Seven, you know, we had to make preparations for if we lost coming home, and if we won, whether we were going to go straight to the to Long Island because the, the first game was only a couple days later. So we were basically. Trying to decide, you know, are we going to stay in Washington after the game? Or are we going to fly to Long Island? As it, as it turned out, we decided to stay in Washington, which, which, thank that was a that ended up being a good decision because the game went to double overtime. It was, as you guys know, it was pretty late by the <laughs> yeah, time yeah. we got to that yeah. hotel. But uh, you know, there's always there's always some of that. But I, I think that you know, one thing that you know, you know, we missed the playoffs for for nine years there, and I think you know, I made a decision I was going to enjoy it, like truly, like savor it, if. Once we got back in, so I think last year, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, but I think, uh, you know, I, I wanted to really enjoy the moment and I think we were all able to together often and, uh, and make the most of, of what is the most exciting time when you work in hockey.
1: You did have a, a day with the Stanley cup too. I did. And I went to Chapel Hill.
2: I did go to Chapel Hill. I had, I did have a, in the morning I, t- I took it to Chapel Hill. We, we, we did lunch at the top of the hill. Uh, I took it to Keenan stadium Took it to the Dean Dome and took it, and uh, they actually put it on display at the journalism school there for for people to come see uh, for an hour or so. And then uh, had a nice little gathering at my home in Durham at the time, and then went back to uh, a very special place called Linda's on Franklin Street. Cheese fries. They do have cheese fries.
1: Do you put them in the Stanley Cup?
2: No. no. I'm just going to stand back and let <laughs> you We we, at this we put other thing. We put other things in the Stanley cup and and, <laughs> a, and a good mutual friend of ours Kyle Hanlon, very much yes. enjoyed pouring things out of that Stanley cup uh, for people to Enjoy. savor. Yeah. In the pod, original podcaster if you will. Yes. Yeah.
1: Kyle Hanlon. Yeah. We never had he never had you on it as the a guest, did he?
2: No, he did not. Oh.
0: oh. Thoughts thoughts and shout out to the Hammer. Yeah.
1: yeah. If he's listening. Yeah. Uh so yeah. now
0: oh he is (laughs) trust me what else is he doing right now
1: so you add uh you add team services uh to your plate and how much more of a balance because it's already a balance trying to trying to balance work and uh personal life especially in a job that sort of commands your attention 24 7 now you add team services to it how much more of a balance do you have to try to find uh now that you're sort of juggling a couple different balls
2: yeah, it's a balance for sure. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, I always say that if I'm having to uh, prioritize one thing or another, you know, making sure the hotel has rooms for us and the bus is there when we land tends to be more important in the moment than whether a guy forgot to do an interview. So I think the team services side kind of kind of gets an edge there. You know, as far as balancing life, you know, as you guys know, we we, we do have lives outside of here and, and sometimes that can be difficult. And I'm lucky to have a great partner in this in Pace Sagaster and our good friend, Mike Brownie Brown, who, uh, you know, they, you know, Pace takes half the trips. I take half the trips. We split it up. So, you know, when he's traveling as he will next week, you know, that gives me a little bit, a little bit of time to kind of reconnect with the family a little bit. Um, my wife. Yeah. Yeah. My wife.
1: Thank you. Um, um, so the, the hurricanes are leaving out on a, on an extended, uh, an extended California trip, three games. Uh, it's actually a pretty short trip for, for a yes, California Yes, three trip.
0: California games in four days. So who do we and thank for this? straight days. back.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then straight back. So when you're sitting down over the summer to plan a trip like that, I know you're not going on this one, but what is involved in, in figuring out when the team's going to yep. leave? Because last year we left a couple days, days before around, the yeah. L- L.A. game. What goes into all of that decision-making? Well, we lost that
2: game. We did. <laughs> so that changed the strategy this year back to the flying the day before. You know, that's one where, uh, honestly, uh, Bill Bernerson gets involved now too yep. and talking to Roddy about, about sleep and rest. And, and, you know, Bill tracks all those kinds of things, um, how guys are feeling as daily surveys sends out to, to see how guys are feeling, how their bodies are reacting to different ways of traveling. So, you know, Rod – Talked to Bill even before he talked to me about the schedule and, and how we were going to fly uh, to this trip. Especially, um, he wanted to go out the day before and uh, day, you know, day before the game, and then uh, fly back directly after the game in Anaheim. Um, you know, part of that is because we have a little bit of a break after that, and they've got time to kind of readjust. And the sooner you can get back on Eastern Time, the better. He thought it was so. That's the why we're doing that that way.
0: Uh, I back to one of the points that. That Michael said, how much when you're looking at, all right, are we going to spend a night here? uh, Because the way that the trip is set up, you play the Kings, then you play San Jose the next night. How much of the thought is, all right, well, we'll just stay in L.A. and then fly up morning of the game to San Jose because probably not going to be a morning skate just for people to pull behind the curtain. Or it's, no, as soon as the game's over, let's stay on this regular schedule that we'd have. If we played a game, we'd get on the plane anyway and fly up and, and be in a hotel the next night.
2: Generally, we try to avoid traveling on game days. Um, the, only, the only time we're doing that this year is, is right after Christmas yeah. uh, when we, we, yep. we're not allowed to travel that day before. So we travel up to New York, play the Rangers that day all on the same day. Um, so, some of it is just not wanting to leave anything to chance. Like yep. if we're traveling the day of the game and anything goes wrong with the plane, all of a sudden we're, we're, we're in a little bit of a jam. So um, I think the idea is always to get to that next city, especially in a, a back-to-back scenario. And uh, get everybody settled in the hotel and get some rest and get ready for the game that night.
1: We're just over a week removed uh, from training camp. Uh, kind of a two, two and a half week grind, really, of something virtually every day on the schedule. So when you're sitting down to plan the logistics of all of that, and it's got to be pretty extensive because you've got, you start with 50 some players in camp. What's that process like? And, and again, who are you working with to make sure everything's taken care of?
2: Well, obviously, we've had some change in the office. Um, you know, with with a couple of people departing uh, this summer, so so some of us are taking on you know more expansive roles uh, with the planning of that, and a couple of people got brought into the process that hadn't been before. So, you know, it's a pretty it's a it's a team effort to you know get the, get everybody's flights into town, get all the hotels, you know, get the practices planned out, get the days off in there. Like you have to. Um, figure out how you're going to travel to to the various games and and when the preseason games are. So, I mean, it's, it's a process, and, you know, as, as you guys know, it's my least favorite time of year. <laughs> um, you know, Green, Green Day is a partner of the league now. Waking <laughs> up when September ends is a very appropriate song for, it, for the month of September. And here.
1: it was blaring in the Hurricanes locker room when September was over. It, it was, and,
2: <laughs> uh, and I appreciated it. And, uh, but, no, it's great. Uh, it, it's always great when you hit October and you kind of get out of training camp and kind of get into routine, get down to the team. That's when, you know, the guys can really start, you know, being around each other. And that's and when you start really building toward um, what you're going to have. And I think that, uh, you know, that last week of training camp we saw this year, you know, guys were hanging out away from the ice a little more. You know, they hung out with, uh, you know, they had a, a gathering one night with, uh, with all the wives and the players. And I think those kind of things, we did one team, we did one team building event at paintball. That was fun.
1: Got a few bruises. I, I from had some that. welts. Yeah. I still
2: have them. So a couple of them are still still on me.
0: <laughs> that, that's been a while too. Yeah. yeah. No, those don't go away yeah. overnight. They forever. hurt. They, they sting. stay forever. Yeah. They stink. It was yes. good
2: times though. I was glad that m- the team chosen by Mike Sunheim defeated the team chosen by Pace Sagister. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's. We need to start team. talking about that too. About <laughs> a yeah. media hockey game as well. Yeah. have got to start stacking the deck back towards Team Sondheim. It was yeah. incredibly
1: competitive this year, though. Well, it's I good mean, game. yeah. Right I down mean, to the, the wire.
0: The goaltending duel, first off, yeah. when you get that kind of caliber. Shane Willis was... Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got some guy who just stands in the pipes and does whatever. <laughs>
2: this guy goes workhorse.
1: That's <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm something. Build like a horse, yeah. maybe. When you talk about team building activities, is that something that is spearheaded by the players? Is that something that head coach Rod Brendamore likes to do? Is it sort of a, a combination of... Do they
0: come to you because they don't live in the area and ask you, hey, what could we do around here?
2: Yeah, for sure that happens. Um, you know, Rod definitely spearheads it to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like, he likes, you know, the, the the paintball thing. You know, he said we need to have something to, this day, and it was up to kind of pace and I to, to find something, and we landed on paintball last year. We did a high ropes course, and as you know, your friendly PR guy suffered a knee injury at that event. <laughs> yes, had to, had to have knee surgery but anyway. I didn't no, know I didn't know pace got hurt. Oh no no, okay. no I'm sorry yeah, Michael. I'm sorry, yeah. No 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 injuries this year. Everybody was good, just 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 the welts. Um, but uh but the funny thing is Rod like didn't actually like those kind of things as a player. Like he thought it was a waste of time. And then he becomes a coach and he's like, Ah I know I thought that was a waste of time but but it it, it made a difference. It was good. It, but it brought the team together. I
1: mean you you talked earlier about just how he's changed yep. and that kind of shows yeah how he's changed in his progression from player to captain to, to now head coach.
2: For sure, and, and that's one definitely was a Peter Laviolette influence. Like yeah. That's definitely one that he, he took from him. like the team-building stuff, Roddy as a player thought it was a little much, but uh, <laughs> as a coach, he understands the value.
0: All right, how your job has changed going back to the PR side. Uh, we all have these little phones, and they all have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram on them. Uh, When you started, you never had to worry about what your players were saying outside of an interview. Uh, Now, I mean, do you have to monitor it? Is it something that, uh, or it's, you don't monitor it, but you know right away when something gets put out there that maybe should or shouldn't, how do you view it? And is there something that you tell the guys, Hey, when you think about hitting send, maybe hold off a second before you do that.
2: Yeah, we do a little seminar with, uh, with the prospects at the, uh, in the summer camp when they come in, um, the guys that are recently drafted in the last few years. And we, we do talk about social media. We, we show them, you know, ways that, that players in all sports have used it, uh, to enhance their, you know, presence, and ways that players have made mistakes over the years, so um, I think that uh, you know it's important. I think that in our sport, it's a little, it's easier and harder. It's it's, it's harder to get guys to do more. Yeah. Sometimes you want them to do more. Sometimes you were like, you know, sh- we can do this. You have a personality. I see your personality every day. Like let's let's show everybody this. Yeah. But it's not really the nature of our sport necessarily for everybody to do that. So sometimes you're kind of trying to pry it out of them but on the flip side of that you don't really have to worry about um, anybody Antonio Browning yeah. all over the place so um, in, in that in that respect uh, it it can be easier with the athletes we deal with
0: and that's I'm now gonna make that a thing that is a verb, it's a verb Antonio yeah. Browning yeah. Is a,
2: it's a verb yeah definitely so yeah.
1: what it, what's one of the your day-to-day responsibilities I mean what is one of the favorite parts of your job what's kept you around this organization for 20 plus years
2: the fist bump line (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean winning winning is you know uh, it's like way better than losing losing.
1: (laughs) it's a lot of fun
0: all right do you have fun do you have a story that you can share like because i know there's a lot of stories that you probably can't share because of the access and the moments and you just want to keep that between you and that group or whatever but are there some good moments Either on the road or at a game that would be, you know, you think back, makes you chuckle, makes you laugh. That maybe the fans, the regular fans, or guys like me and Michael Smith, Smitty, would not have. Uh, the web's Michael Smith, by the way, would not have access to.
2: Yeah, there's 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 plenty of them. A lot a lot of them, like you said, not fit for. Uh for podcasting
0: (laughs) well it's podcast technically you could say i guess you you could say anything on a podcast this is a family friendly show uh, yes we're we're (laughs) we're not gonna
2: swear yeah i i
0: i have one shred of legitimacy as a journalist i try to keep that going as much as i can uh but is there like a moment either after the double overtime win against the caps or you know the stanley cup celebration after 06 is there like those in the room moments yeah. where I there's mean, that's w- the
2: that was the most special time when we won in '06 was just being in the locker room and like for there was a good couple hours there where we just stayed in the locker room and it was just the players, just the staff, you know, and the and the cup and just enjoying it and the families were up in the in the club restaurant here and eventually we all went up there, but uh, you know for a while it was it was just just the guys and and everybody just you know appreciating the moment and kind of savoring it and that was. That was pretty amazing, um, and, you know. O- over the years, like I said, there's there's lots of there's lots of little moments and and things that you treasure. With uh, you know, think back about certain players and like guys like Nick Valine, who maybe you know aren't as much, you know, not not ever gonna see their jerseys in the rafters, but but just the impact that they made, you know, personally as as friends and 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 you know as players and knowing the kind of you know that's where you kind of see like. You have to have a lot of different kind of people in a locker room, and that's you know you don't want twenty guys that are exactly the same and think the same way and do the yep. same things. Like it's good to have some diversity of thought and personality, and, and to think that's that goes into to having having fun and having a good team. Did you get a robe from Mike
0: Commodore that year?
2: Never did get a robe. I mean, that was a Christmas gift. I you mean, need I, to get I, in I, one. I could have chosen the robe. Yeah. I don't remember what I chose. In hindsight, obviously, it was a poor choice. I could have had a robe
1: in the catalog.
2: Get in one. <laughs> Yeah, I Call Kami, he'll take <laughs> I think care it's of in the Hall of Fame. You. I yeah. believe it
1: is in the Hockey yeah. Hall of Fame. He could probably procure another one. I would think so. Put a hashtag on the back. <laughs> Why not? In one. In, in one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Get in, and then you can literally get in one. We
0: would. Yeah. I would never ask you who is your favorite player or anything, because there's just too many of them, and that's yeah. never fair to you. But when you talk about seeing guys' personalities and guys come out of their shell, how is it for you when you see, and there's a couple of guys in the room right now, Andrei Svechnikov, Sebastian Ajo, they didn't grow up in the States or in, in Canada. And then you kind of see the personalities. They come over as teenagers or 20-year-olds, and then you start to see what they're like. What's that like for you to watch a guy grow up? How many guys have you watched grow up come uh, a, through this organization? A lot of them.
2: Like if you think about it, like the guys, some of the guys that I've watched grow up or – Or grew are, up with. Are retired at this point. Yeah, <laughs> um, But, you know, with, you know, I would say with those two guys especially, I, I've seen a change this year. Um, both of them seem way more comfortable, uh, especially Svech. Uh, you know he's way more vocal, and you know he's, as you guys know, he's got a, a great personality. And you know I think that you know when you when you see those two guys, you know and the, the way they've developed as people, um, and just their confidence, really their confidence off the ice as much as their confidence on the ice. Um, you know you can see two players that are, that are developing into, into leaders. And you can definitely see those guys, you know, wearing letters on their sweaters someday. And, you know, it's, it's exciting, you know, at, in, in my position to see, you know, your best players, you know, start turning into, to leaders and that, you know, the more voices we have in the room and guys that are willing to step up and, and say things, the, the better, better off we're going to be.
0: Mike Sonheim. he is the vice president of communications and team services uh, sorry, it took us so long to track you down and get you on here, but you're always on the move. You never somewhere. know where I am. No, that's one of the frightening parts of my yes. job. You yep. never
2: see each other ever no. ever ever, never
0: never no, it's hard to track this man down yep. thanks Mike thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you.
1: The hurricane's leaving on that three game California trip today, so Mike Sunheim and his staff busy behind the scenes to make sure everything is lined up. uh Sonny's not going on this trip no, he's not paces, yes that's Pace sagister. Yes. His second hand. By the way, man, again, right hand man.
0: Very very impressive it only took you what? 2 minutes to mention University of North Carolina in that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was okay. We worked it in there. Oh
0: yeah. Well, I I I
1: know it's coming. I just don't know when. <laughs> we had to get right to, you know, right to the history of things. Always good to peel back the curtain. I'm not jumping in on this. I'm taking a drink of water and yep. I'm letting you just I continue see. to to dig in on that one. It's just it's nice uh you know, to peel back the curtain and give give folks a, a little insight on on how everything works, how things are scheduled, how closely, you know, he has to work with uh not only head coach Rod Brendamore but also uh Bill Burniston yep. uh in in just making sure everything schedule wise is is set up and, and ideal for uh for the team and for the players on a day to day basis. And with the owner Tom Dundon, and then Don Waddell. I
0: mean everything pretty much Runs through Mike Sundheim's office, goes through that, and then he's got to deal with the broadcasters. Yeah, that alone should be <laughs> enough to make a job him, in itself. Exactly, <laughs> make him want to run out into the street and scream at the sky, <laughs> the cloudy sky, or the sunny sky, or the sunny Which sky. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all good. So let's get into this California trip, Michael. If let's we do it. Uh, what are the expectations? Because it used to be you going, you're going out. If you're the Hurricanes, it's the State Fair trip, so they're going to be gone. Not gone that long. I mean, we're going to no. come back and then go back on the road for Columbus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is the Chicago Blackhawks game during the fair here, which is always interesting. But it used to be three, four years ago, you were going out to play L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim. And you're like, oh, boy, two points
1: would be a good trip Yeah, if you could do that. Now I'm thinking four points is a good trip. Yeah, for sure. I think uh – And the Hurricanes have kind of built themselves a little cushion with the start they had, uh, you know, banking 10 of a possible 12 points uh, in the first six games of the season. That certainly helps really no matter what happens on this trip. But, yeah, you look at the teams that the Hurricanes are going to go play uh, in that Pacific division and there are definitely a couple winnable games in there. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you factor in the travel and, and being on the road, and, and that changes but things a little bit. This is a, a weird California trip because it generally is.
0: it's a little bit more spaced out. Uh, this is three games in four days in California, folks. That I don't know if that's becoming the norm for some teams, like you just get in and get out as quick as you can, but used to be you'd have five, six days in California. This is four. Yeah. I mean, you'll you'll include the travel day to get out there, but not really. Game day on Tuesday game day on Wednesday, travel back to Anaheim, which will be, I'm guessing, more of an off day because of back-to-back games. And then Anaheim, you go and play, and then you're on the plane and you're coming back home.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a quick trip. And, and we got into it in the interview with Sonny a bit. You know, last year the Hurricanes traveled out a couple days before the mm-hmm. L.A. game uh, to get a practice in uh, before the game. And eh, the game didn't go so well. So, the hurricane's opting to to fly in the day before the game, as is sort of the norm in the n h l fly in the day before the game and just get right to playing yep. on tuesday and then of course the the rare Wednesday game day I think we have I think the hurricanes have two Wednesday game days this year um and then back up or back down south, I guess to Anaheim your to geography Michelle. is correct by saying back down south, yes, uh weird that you know yeah. The schedule. I'm not
0: gonna not gonna go off on the
1: NHL where it It should be. Last year,
0: you should either start in San Jose and then go to LA and then go to Anaheim, or start in Anaheim, go to LA and go to San Jose. Kind of strange. Could
1: easily do that. But the Hurricanes will then get back uh, very early Saturday morning, I think six or seven o'clock, but in time to kind of let the body readjust to Eastern Time. Uh, You have the weekend practice here for a couple of days, and then off to Columbus for another uh, divisional battle. But yeah, as far as State Fair road trips go there have been much worse. Oh, absolutely. Much worse. And, and this one is, is very manageable, but also at the same time, still a good opportunity for this team uh, to get away uh, for a somewhat extended period of time and get some team bonding in. There's not a team dinner or anything like that set up on this trip because it is so yep. short. But anytime you can get sort of away from uh, your home rink, uh, and spend some time out on the road with the guys, it, it, it's a good team bonding opportunity. Uh, it's funny, though, to uh, hear
0: a few guys talk about the team bonding. Michael uh, Sunheim talked about it as well. Not necessarily a thing that Rod Brendamore was a big believer in as a player, but now as a coach and, and maybe his uh, later years as a player, okay, I see the value in it. So yeah. And it is good. It, it's good just to get away for a couple of days. And you know they're going to talk about hockey. They're going to work on some of the things they need to work on. Trevor Van Riemsdyk is going to be with the team, and he has been activated. Now the question is, does he get into any of these games in California Uh, from the injured list? He is there, and Brian Gibbons has been called up as Julian Gauthier made his NHL debut, played in two games over the weekend, and he was sent down. Brian Gibbons, you know, kind of more of a a grinder, more of a fourth-line guy for the Hurricanes. He gets the call up from Charlotte, and he's going to be joining the team out west, and he'll probably be on that line, that fourth-line that uh, the Carolina Hurricanes have that is centered by Lucas Walmart as he is taking Jordan Martinuk's place, which, good news, Jordan Martinuk. Uh, we have to do bad news first. Jordan Martinuk going to be out six to eight weeks from the last time we did a podcast, out six to eight weeks with a core muscle injury that he had to have surgery on, but the surgery went well. He let all of us know that on Twitter, and then he is trying to get back as soon as he can. Uh, Julian Gauthier came up for two games to take his place. Now Brian Gibbons is going to get a shot to take his place on that fourth line, if we Bre- want to call it that.
1: Yeah, I, I think, and and Brian Gibbons, I think, uh, makes a lot of sense on that fourth line. He kind of fits that that role that the Hurricanes are going to look for there. And he's a former Duck, so he uh, should get the chance to play against his former team, and and he'll get up for that. Um, the sight of last year when Clark Bishop scored his uh, butt goal? I don't know how to
0: call that. I mean, he sort of just
1: slid. The 20-minute goal. He slid it into the
0: net. It took 20 minutes for us (laughs) to determine if that was a goal or not. Because if you remember,
1: there was a ruling and a review and then another review after the review. It was a strange process. Took forever. But it resulted in a goal for Clark Bishop and the Hurricanes. And
0: a big goal for Clark Bishop. Yeah, his first in the NHL. And 25 years from now, it's going to be, I walked into the slot and just... Ripped a clapper past the the netminder. It was beautiful. Where's the highlights of this? Oh, they lost the video.
1: Oh well. Yeah. Brian Gibbons has played uh, almost almost 200 games in the NHL. By the way, 31 years old, a veteran of this game. Uh, so a good, I think, an ideal player for that that fourth line yeah. um, that the Hurricanes will take out West. And and you mentioned Trevor Van Riemsdyk. I sort of lean to to maybe him getting into the lineup. Uh, this week in California, yep. but uh, we'll talk to Rod more today and, and get more on that. But I think uh, with the way he's been practicing lately, has taken some contact, slid into the boards uh, late last week, uh, was no worse for where it yep. seemed. So as long as his shoulder is good and feeling good and he feels like he can uh, get into a game situation, I would imagine that uh, the Hurricanes get him into the lineup sooner rather than later. All
0: right. And you know what else we could do sooner rather than later?
2: If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back.
1: You got one? Well, yeah, I I, I can play off of uh, what we talked about setting up the California trip. Sure. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. By the way, I am stunned. You actually have one. Well, it's good because we just talked about it. (sighs) All right. Um, The Hurricanes will earn more than four points on this road trip. More than four? Yeah, I had had to throw in the more because four, I think, is is doable, but more than four, you're talking points in every game. Yeah, potentially three and oh, Two oh and wow. one. Man, I want
0: to, I want to take that. But San Jose gets Carolina Hurricane legend Patrick Marlowe back in the lineup, and, and
1: that's a tough building to play. It's in. it's one of the hardest buildings in the league. To that's play a good. In. T- that's going to be, I think, the toughest game because Anaheim.
0: I, Anaheim is doing sneaky good things right now. That's true. Yeah. Um, I'll send it back because I think they're going to get two wins. I don't think they're going to get three, and I don't think they're going to get a a point in one of them.
1: And I think two out of three is you'll take that any don't day of the week. Don't be sad, because yeah. Two out of three isn't bad. That's
0: very true. Should be in a song somewhere. I think uh, it. mine mine goes to the goaltending. Okay, you like know, you take it if not. Uh, James Reimer will play more than thirty five games this year. Now, this is all things being equal. We have to take in, like, no injuries or things like that.
1: Um, I'll send it back. Okay.
0: Is it going to be close to that number in your mind? Yeah, probably close. Maybe closer to 30 than
1: 35.
0: Yeah, I I think he gets 30, no doubt. Yeah. 35 is you start to get in that 50-50 split. That's why I bring it
1: to that level. But, I mean, as you mentioned, he's been a starter in this league before. His Mm. career numbers are are strong, uh, and he's been really good in his first three games. He's definitely going to get a look either in L.A. or San Jose, I would imagine, because uh, the Hurricanes love, you know, splitting those goaltenders. So, yeah, he'll at least have four after this week. I would guess he gets San Jose and Peter Morazic
0: gets L.A. Yeah, that's probably about right. All right, the the people are speaking. Oh. It's from Taylor Anderson. Take it or send it back. Svetch ends the regular season with more points than Sebastian Ajo. Mm. Well, they continue this pace. That's a safe bet. Yeah. Andrei Svechnikov, by the way, he told us when he was drafted uh, last year that he really is more of a playmaker. Yes, he can score goals, but he's a guy who can make plays and set up his teammates, and the way he's playing right now, I... You know what? I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to say that Svech finds a way, especially now that he's on the power play, Michael. He might get 75 points this year.
1: I I'm, I'm going to send it back. Okay. I know Ajo just has a point. He's been a slow starter too for his career. Yeah, he's career slow starter, but he's once he hits his groove, he's going to really hit his groove.
0: At the same time, not a bad thing oh, yeah. because I think that Sebastian Ajo is going to be at worst at around 70 points. Yeah. 75 points. Yeah.
1: So So if Svetch is anywhere near there, that's just I mean that's
0: great. All right. Uh this uh we continue on the points trail, shall we? This is from Connor Holcomb. Take it or send it back. If Dougie Hamilton keeps up these point scorings, he'll be in the running for the Norris this year. Hmm. I mean, if he
1: stays on this pace, he's going to have his name in there. If he stays on this pace, he's going to be unbelievable. That's what he has. He's got eight and six, four and four.
0: But the question is if he keeps this up. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if he keeps keeps it up, sure. Yeah. Yeah how many points would he have to have to be in the Norris consideration in your mind? Different question.
1: Hmm. 60, 70. I'd say 60. Yeah.
0: That's the, that's the, that's that sweet spot between 60 and 70. If he gets 20 goals, he'll be in the conversation. He will be.
1: I mean, it's, it's unreal what he's doing right now. Everything he's shooting is going in. The The goal he scored against Columbus too was, um, I don't know if he knew that Korpisala was without a stick, but the placement of the shot, you know, to Corpusala's blocker side where his stick wasn't was, well, was perfect. Uh, this from Ben Kunliff,
0: like it, take it. Nino Niederreiter scores between 20 and 30 goals this year. I mean, you can always mark him
1: down for 20 goals. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably cross the 20-goal mark, I yeah. would imagine. I'll take it.
0: Yeah, yeah. He'll cross 20. Yeah, That's good. Uh, Levi Washburn, like it, take it. GoPro cable cam along the top edge of the glass. Sure, why not? Yeah, but I I'm not a fan of like haven't the they, moving cameras.
1: I was gonna say, haven't they tried some sort of rail? Yeah, cam before? they
0: have. I'm not a big fan of them.
1: It's a it's a weird vantage point, I think, because the camera almost has to the game at that level. Uh, when you're that close to the ice, is so quick that the camera almost has to has trouble keeping up at yes. times. Um, which is why the the angle from a little farther back and works better. And if you better. if
0: you keep it above the glass. If the the play comes in front of the camera, there it can't shoot down on it.
1: Yeah, so unless you know, with the GoPro and that wide angle lens, but even yeah, then, it'd be a I
0: think it'd be a weird angle. It would be. I mean, it's not a
1: bad idea. No, it's, it's not a, a bad
0: idea. Like I said, I'll take it, but yeah. it's not my cup of tea. Uh, we have questions now, Mister okay.
1: Smith. Let's do them.
0: What is the possibility that TVR that he's been activated from IR? This is a lot of initials. <laughs> He get sent down to CHA, and he actually spelled out Charlotte. I figured I'd go there <laughs> on a conditioning stint to get Cha-cha. back into <laughs> to get back into game action. Zero, he has been yeah, conditioning. Zero. He has been conditioning with the Carolina Hurricanes the entire time. Yeah, he won't. He he won't need games in Charlotte. No, none. Good question, though, Caitlin. Caitlin. Thank you. Uh, appreciate that. This is for you from Heather Hartman. What's the next country we can try to be the top podcast in? Check. Uh Czech Republic could uh, be for
1: it. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, gun for Czech or Sweden maybe. I'd gun for Russia. Mm. In Russia
0: podcast
1: is not number 1. Listens to you? Yes, number 1 listens to podcast. You don't listen to podcast. Uh real quickly our our top listens. USA 92%. Yeah. Canada 2.3%. Come
0: on, Canada.
1: Finland, one point six five percent. What? And uh, the UK at point seven. So that's a uh, that's our good friend Paul. Yes, from across you. the pond. All lost because um, it does include uh, Ireland, oh, yeah, Scotland. Correct. That's the, U- the United Kingdom. Sweden is five though. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Sweden, Germany, Poland, Czech. We By the way, get there's check up a little bit. There's
0: only what like eighty thousand people in Finland. So. I'm not really sure. I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty sure that's near the number. No. Um Well we can, we're getting one percent of the one percent of, of the listenership. I'm gonna go with five million people are in Finland. Five and a half. Yeah. That
1: was always good in uh social studies. And then uh close behind check is Australia and then Switzerland. So hello to our Australian listeners. Oh.
0: And uh hee hee to our friends in Switzerland. Hee <laughs> hee. Shane Willis told me that's how they say hi there. Oh. Uh, a lot, of people, like Shane on, on, uh, a lot of people like Shane on the podcast. A
1: lot of people like Shane. Well, they should. He's a great human being. He is. All we'll right. try to have him on again soon. We have three questions from Shlomo,
0: who looks like Vin Diesel. I don't know if that's him or if that's a picture <laughs> of Vin Diesel.
1: Or maybe he is Vin Diesel. Shlomo, are you Vin Diesel? Shout out, by the way. Really? Scotty <laughs> McCreary.
0: Oh, to, I was going to say Vin Diesel.
1: Well,. <laughs> I don't know if he listens no. to the pod, but Scotty, Scotty McCreary does. Thank you, Scotty. We appreciate it. And, and we uh, appreciate your music, too. Yeah, we really do. And if you ever want to come on the podcast, please Oh, I do. think
0: that's a done deal. We're here, yeah. That is a done deal. So we need to have a really good voice on the the podcast. You know, we keep thinking about getting a new uh, new, new song, song for
1: the podcast. That's true.
0: Just putting that out there. Yeah. All right, here we go from Shlomo, who is possibly Vin Diesel. Live show with Dougie was the finger wag after he blocked Barkov shot a Dikembe Mutombo homage, uh, especially since the opposing goalie was Sam Dikembe Montembeau. Oh, oh I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's more for our uh, Kane's corner with Dougie Hamilton coming yeah. up.
1: Uh, I did ask him about it too, and he said he saw Johnny Boychuk do
0: it once. Oh, these questions are for the Kane for the oh. Kane's corner, so.
1: Well, well, nah. we just jumped the gun on one. Nah, of on them. speaking right. of gun and Johnny Boychuk, he did the uh, like oh, yeah. shooter McGavin thing. I think he's a a goofy kind of character. Shooter's tour, but the the whole you know, the whole uh, celebration thing hasn't really worked for the Islanders here. No, really. no, it Head really pad, hasn't. Shooter but I love to see that kind of stuff. Like it's it's fun, and and Dougie, given the finger wag mid game, was was pretty funny after he made the the butt block he said he didn't see the puck coming he just got down and hoped to hit him that's it he said if <laughs> he said if he if he would have seen it he probably would have missed it <laughs> and barkov might have scored
0: uh, by the way if you ever got a another dog is naming it barkov is that uh hmm. is that in play or no yeah maybe this is my dog alexander
1: barkov <laughs> I'm sure someone in South Florida has a dog oh, named Barker. without a
0: doubt. I still remember to this day the TV show Alf. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the neighbor's dog was Bob Barker. Yeah. Great name for a dog, by the it way. Is, yeah. I so. like that.
1: Just call him Bob. Hi, Bob.
0: Uh, there you go. I'm old. So <laughs> the things I remember. Could have been a doctor or a lawyer. I remember episodes of Alf. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Appreciate that. Any other
1: television we should talk about? Oh More yes, recent television.
0: Because we really, we really need Bill Burniston to get upset at us for talking about something else. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room.
1: Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. I love that drop. I don't think he's a fan of it. No, he's not a fan of it. Thank you. you. Brock McGinn might. That be one's fan a good one, it, though. though. Well, I downloaded. Um, <laughs> I was just trying to think of some television. Oh. Uh, Last Chance You is uh I'm finished. I'm on the newest season of that. That's what I'm watching I've, on.
0: I've never gotten into that. Really I want to, and it's something that I think have younger you ever, me, younger me would have gotten into it, mm. but nah. It's I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of exploitive nature to a program like that.
1: That is worth it's discussion. M- it's yeah.
0: more for the coaches yep.
1: than for the yep. players at the end of the day. That is worth uh that is worth discussion.
0: I just uh, first off, Amazon Prime has 7 of the 8 seasons of Magnum PI. Oh, the original, not whatever this new thing is on. There's a new one? No, don't in No, don't even acknowledge it. <laughs> okay. I said it because it's out there, but I didn't want people to be like, "Why are you downloading that?" No, no, no. I'm going with Tom Selleck, the OG. Oh, absolutely. Higgins, Magnum TC, Rick, the original. Uh, So that's out there. So I've ripped through like the first uh, season and the halfway through the second. But because uh, of a long road trip, I was told on Amazon, The Boys is a very good show to watch. A little superhero thing going on. Like what if superheroes existed, but they're not exactly nice. Hmm. So I've heard nothing but great reviews about it. So I'm going to go check it out on this trip.
1: Nice. Yeah. Big Mouth and Peaky Blinders. I was going to
0: say Peaky Blinders has got another season for you.
1: Yeah. Haven't got into that yet. Saw the first episode of Big Mouth last night. Excellent. Raunchy.
0: Again, another show I should get into. Yes.
1: Not family it's friendly. Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah. It's- this podcast, family friendly, Big Mouth, not, not family, family friendly. friendly. All right. But very good.
0: You want to throw in uh, a food reference so we can complete the.
1: Well, yeah, because we're going to go to In N Out.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: That's in our future. I forgot about that. That's our in, in our immediate future. In Anaheim, uh, maybe San Jose, maybe both. Why not? Why not both? When in Rome, go on. Uh, it's I don't. <laughs> what well, at least one of the two we will have uh, in and out. I Forgot about that. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: you have you have <laughs> suddenly really really made Awoken me a happy beast, human yeah.
1: being. Yes.
0: Uh well, gonna go animal style.
1: But you have to. You have to on the fries. No doubt. On the fries. I haven't done it on the burger yet.
0: It's good. Yeah. It's very good. Um, but, again, I, it's a weird, weird take here. The more I have had in and out the more I like just the straight burger, not the animal-style burger. Yeah. And, and it, they're both very good. It's not like I'm just saying the the more I've had them. The one thing,
1: the the fries almost need it because otherwise they're kind of – they're kinda dry. You need ketchup. Yeah.
0: Or cheese and sauteed onions. And sauce. And sauce.
1: And sauce or whatever. That's what they call it. Can't wait.
0: Neither can I. But uh, we gotta get on a plane very soon, Michael Smith. Yes, so we do. uh for everybody who tuned in, we appreciate it. We will be back next week for sure with episode one oh nine of the Canes Cast. So for the web's Michael Smith
1: and TV's Mike Menescalco. We will talk to you then. Moy
0: moy. Thank you.